want to talk about a, the uh, inescapable, if I may say it that way, the inescapable Jesus. Jesus Christ is inescapable. Now, people deny him, ignore him, curse him, but they'll not avoid him. Nobody's going to avoid Jesus. That's because he made you. He's going to call you for a reckoning on how you lived your life. Even as a born-again Christian, even though we've settled the sin question, we still now have a works question. What have you done with your life since you've been saved? How have you handled it? Uh, what what did you do with the light you were given? With the opportunity you've had, what have you, how have you used it? That's the kind of judgment that'll be. Now let me read these verses and then go. We'll have three, just three points tonight about the inescapable Christ. Jesus is inescapable. He commanded us to preach unto the people and testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick, it's the alive, the quick, and the dead. Uh, to give... To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sin. I hope that's you tonight. I hope you have Christ your Savior. We've had people saved in prayer meeting. Trusted Christ their Savior, been, came for a few times and searching for something more. I, I, why is that so? Is because almost all the churches have quit Wednesday night. And, and about 90-some percent of churches in our area quit Sunday night. So you may start seeing, you have been seeing, visitors on Sunday night. More than visitors on Sunday morning. Because most everybody's having some sort of Sunday morning service still. Oh, they're having Saturday night services, Friday night services, and all this other stuff. Uh, but uh, and why, we, why don't we do that? Because Friday is the Sabbath for the Islamics. That's their holy day. Saturday is the holy day for the Jews. And Sunday is the holy day for the Christians. It's been that way almost 2,000 years. I don't think I'm going to handle it cavalier, with a cavalier spirit at least, and say, oh, we'll just have Saturday night service so you can be on the golf course at 6.30 in the morning. God forbid. God forbid we get that casual with the things of God. That's why I'm, you know, I'm just, that's, a, that's a whole other message. But for the Father judges no man, but hath committed how much? I put the underlining, of course, is mine. Emphasis mine. Under the sun. Now, there wouldn't really need to be any other verse than that. Who's go who are people going to face at the judgment? Okay. That all men should honor the sun. I read, I read the, this is the verse. When Jehovah's Witness, if they'll, give you a mo if, you, if they'll give you a moment to talk, this is where you want to go. That all men should honor the sun even as, now even as, even as is equal, equal. Even as means equal. So I'll tell them, you dishonor the son by degrading him and making him something less than the father. Uh, obviously Mormons do that, almost all the cults. Almost all religions of the world degrade Jesus. They degrade him, deny him, ignore him, whatever. But they do not honor him. That all men should honor the son, even as they honor the father, he that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father, which hath sent him. So I told Jehovah's Witness, if I honor God's Son, I'm good. He's going to be happy with me. You dishonor God's Son and give, oh, you give Jehovah all the honor. He doesn't want all the honor. He gave the honor to the Son. Then you're, 
he's not going to be happy with you. It's just that simple. And so you should uh, maybe meditate on that a little bit. So three reasons, three reasons why uh, Jesus is inescapable. Number one, all power has been given to him. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, how much does all mean? You know, I get tired of people. Well, at all, now, that really doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, you know, the power the Father has. He said all power was given to him. And it was given to him of the Father because of what he did on Calvary. That was the 28th chapter after the resurrection. And if Jesus Christ has all power, logic, Who's greater than he is? Nobody. So who is going to usurp him? No one. Who's going, to, who's going to, to be his master? No one. Who's going to overcome him? No one. Who's going to have power to avoid him? No one. Uh, if he did not have all power, he wouldn't necessarily have the ability to fulfill his words. Remember how he said, my words... Or heaven and earth pass away, but my words will not pass away. Not phrases, not, not approximations. Uh, his words, exactness. He said, my words are not going to pass away. You're going you're to see them. They're going to stand. And so that, could, that means nothing. That means nothing if he doesn't have power. He has to have the power. Why well, is it important that Jesus is God manifest the flesh as the Bible says he is? Because without that, then you don't have any assurance of what he said to be true. You with me? Follow my logic. If he, Jesus speaks all kinds of promises to us. That has no meaning if he doesn't have all power. He has all power. Uh, in John 1, 1 through 3, these are verses you're familiar with. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. If you look at the context of that, it's talking about Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8, verse 50, 58, uh, the Pharisees are asking him to show us the Father, show us the Father. He's, and he said, why, you're not even as old as Abraham. He says, well, before Abraham was, I am. They understood that was the Exodus 3.14, I am, which was a new name for God at the burning bush. He said, well, tell them the I am sent you. That's a brand new name. That was the all-being one, the all-existent all one. The I, I'm, I'm always present. No past, no future. I'm present. I'm always present. I am the I am. And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Boy, he stunned him. He knocked him the socks off of him. And they began, by the way, the persecution began about right there in the 8th chapter. When he resurrected Lazarus in the 11th chapter, then they sought to kill him because they realized that this man... Well, he's either liar, lunatic, or Lord. Which one is he? You know, you're going to have to decide. We all have to decide that. Um, it says in First uh, Timothy three sixteen, without controversy, uh, great is a mystery of godliness. You're not going to be able to figure God out. You're not going to be able to put your head around Him. You're not going to be able to explain God. Uh, but God was manifest in the flesh. The word in there is theos. Now, the new versions, the newer versions that are not translated from the received text, that is not there. They, in fact, there's a lot of the Bible not there because the newer versions are there. The heresy of the newer versions is not the addition, it's the subtraction. 
they have subtracted a whole bunch of places of Scripture. So if you're reading a new, avert, new version, you're losing on part of the Bible. And you don't know the Bible well enough to know what part they've left out, what part they haven't. You don't know it that well. And so you, if it's God's word, I want it all. You let me figure it out. Give it, give it all to me. It says, God was manifest in the flesh. Theos was manifest in the flesh, justifying the spirit, seen of angels, preaching to Gentiles, believed on the world, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Uh, in, in John chapter 14, verse 8 and 9, Philip says, show us the Father. Most of you know this. He said, and Jesus' answer, stunning answer, have I been so long with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Come on. Show us the Father. No misunderstanding there. Jesus absolutely claimed to be the visible image of an invisible God. I know that, of course, from Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, where it says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things, how many things? All things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. I mean, you know it's talking about Jesus. There. Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Where he's making intercession for us now. I add that part. So, and, always, and remember, there's not two gods. How many gods are there? Okay. The um, Jews put on their doorposts uh, a verse, usually in a little container on a doorpost. And it's Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. Monotheism is the shining uh, star of, of, of Hebrew religion. And that's good because that's we come from that Judeo-Christian. We believe there's but one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We only believe in one God. I'm the, when I say Jesus is God, I'm not saying there's God one, God two, God three. There's one God. And he's manifested in Jehovah, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's God also. And so... It's what we call the triunity. The word's not in the Bible. Trinity, the triunity of God. Even though a word's not in the Bible, does not make the teaching not in the Bible. We just don't have any other way to describe it. The triunity of God is actually indescribable. And trying to describe the indescribable is pretty tough on your vocabulary. You with me? So we say trinity. Give us a break. Triunity, the Jews like the triunity better, the triunity of God. That's what they say, save Jews. Like Mark Robinson, he would like the triunity. In, in Isaiah 43, it says, uh, verse 10, Ye are my witness, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know that I, and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither sh there shall be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Well, over and over and over again in the New Testament, what is Jesus referred to? Savior. What did the angels say he was? Savior is born. It says in, in according to uh, Isaiah 43, 11, there is no, not but one Savior, and in context, it's Jehovah God. So logic would tell me Jehovah God took upon flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld him. And our hands have handled him, the very living word of God. 
Wow. Wow. Hmm. So, if God be for you, who can be against you? Remember, we're talking about the inescapableness of Jesus. You don't have to like him. You don't have to believe him. You can try to ignore him. You can blaspheme him. But someday you're going to stand before him. Eyeball to eyeball. Red and yellow, black or white. Everybody's going to stand before Jesus. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, what the Bible says, if God be for you in Romans chapter 8, who can be against you? I always reverse that and say, if God be against you, who can be for you? There's a new twist. If God be against you, who can be for you? The devil's not going to save you. The devil who tempts you to follow him is not going to save you. The demons aren't going to save you. And definitely you're not going to have any buddies save you. There will be no party in hell. There's total blackness, unable to see. Or maybe you'll be able to speak, but you'll not be able to see in hell. It's totally black. A place of torment, a place nobody wants to go, of course. Um, another reason why you will not escape Jesus is this one. All honor is given unto him in the Bible. John 5.23, I just read it, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. So all men, whether they do or they have in the past or will in the future, or they eventually will in the future, I should say, honor and revere Jesus Christ without escape. You with me on that? Without escape. Uh, uh, the, the most heinous individual that you could think of is going to bow his knee before Jesus and say, you are Lord. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. They're going to agree with all that. There is no Allah, and Allah never had a son. There is no Allah. It's a fictional character they've made up. There's no Hindu, what, what, a million Hindu gods? How many Hindu gods are there? A million, something like that? Some crazy number. There's no, none of them are gods. They're all, they're all demonic forces, spirits behind the names of those gods. None of them are gods. They're all false. There's but one God. Uh, everything will revere the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 11, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, speaking of Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And every tongue should confess. Oh, excuse me. Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth, just in case you may have missed something. Are there things under the earth? From every indication I can find in, in the Bible, hell is in the middle of the earth somewhere. The bowels of the earth. It's down. It's always spoken of as down. And it seems to be in the middle. That's, of course, there's a lake of fire. And, of course, they believe molten lava comes from the middle area of the earth, make its way up. For some reason, the middle of the earth is hot. What keeps? I know heat dissipates. What keeps generating that heat? Well, I ask the same question of the sun. What keeps generating that heat over and over and over and over? You know what I'm saying? So it goes on. This God doing that, he's made it. You don't understand it, don't mean it didn't happen. And the things under the, and it says, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and Father. Nobody's going to be there smart aleck and around, making excuses. By the sight and the sound and the smell and the feel of where they are when they stand before Jesus, it's going to humble them. 
So, why would people honor Christ? Well, Colossians 1, 16, 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Again, that word all things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him, the word actually in Greek here is better, in him all things consist. Wow. Wow. I think that's clear enough. Jesus made all material things. Jesus made all spiritual things. Jesus made all fleshly things. Eventually, all will see him face to face and give account of to, to him. There is simply is no escape. The third thing is why Jesus is inescapable is the Bible says that he is a, that all judgment has been given unto him. How much judgment? All judgment. I'll prove it to you. I'm going to the Bible straight up and down. It says in John 5.22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed, we read it, all judgment to the Son. And so because he is the judge of all that is, we're going to stand before him because that's what happens. You stand before a judge to make things right. 2 Timothy 4.1 says, I charge thee therefore before God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Matthew chapter 25. 31-32, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory, all the holy angels with him, he shall sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, a sheep, a shepherd divideth his sheep from the ghosts. John chapter 5, verse 27-29, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all, there it is again, all that are in the grave shall hear, his, shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now, some people want to say, well, that means you can be saved by works. They that have done good have repented and trusted Christ as the Savior. They that have done evil have called Jesus a liar and rejected him. That's the ultimate evil that you can do. And the ultimate good you can do is to believe and trust God's word. Basically, you say, God, you're telling the truth. I believe it. And so you have. And so it's not a, it's not a works-based salvation, but yet you're, where your faith is placed is either good or bad. And so that will be there. So no one will escape seeing the face of, Jesus, the, face of the Lord Jesus face-to-face. -face. The fear factor for those who rejected him uh, is probably going to be past understanding and past knowing. The shock and awe of the place surrounding and the impact of it all, as I said before, that all heaven and the place of judgment and the time of judgment when it comes for you to come up, when it's been said this way, when your number comes up and, you're, and you stand before the Lord Jesus and you give an account to him, all of heaven for that moment will focus on you. Uh, and those who have willfully ignored him, changed him, remade him in their values or their image, cursed him, railed against him, called him unfair, unjust, now stand in the glaring light of his eyes, his all-knowing eyes, and his searching eyes. There'll be no court of appeal. There'll be no alternatives. They must now face 
what they have done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. I like the song where it says, nothing in my hands I bring, only to the cross I cling. When you come before Jesus, there'd be nobody puffed up, nobody, nobody cocky. There's going to be nobody sitting there to be tough, no tough guys before the Lord Jesus Christ. They'll simply be falling on their knees. Now, just because somebody falls on their knees and confesses Jesus Christ as Lord doesn't mean they're saved. Too late. Made very clear in the 20th chapter of the book of Revelation, the great white throne judgment, that those whose names were not written in the book of life were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So if you're saved, if you're born twice, you will die once. If you're born once, you must die twice. If you're born again, that means you've been born physically, right? Then you get born again. That's two births. So I hope you've had two births tonight. I hope you know Christ is your personal Savior. You had a physical birth and you've had a spiritual birth. That means you only have to die once. It's appointed to a man... To what? To die. I hate it. I hate it. You know, I hate it. I, I don't like death. The process of death is gruesome. What, what part about getting old don't I like? The process of death is beginning to... I feel it. It's putting its arms around. It's cold, clammy arms around me and he's putting his arms around you too because I can see it your hair turned white what happened your hair turned white Bible says in Job wrinkles are a testimony that we're coming to the jet we're coming to the end he got we gave you wrinkles when you look in front of the mirror you know and you're humped over the old Tim Conway thing wasn't too far from the truth because humor is just exaggerated truth. And he exaggerated what he saw. Three wheel bikes. And I mean when I say, I got rid of my motorcycle. Partially due to my age. I wasn't getting better. Well, you say, what about Tom Ryan at his age? You can't help stupid. <laughs> I love you, Tom. Every man stands for his own deal. But for, for me in my house, I said, it's done. I'm done. And I don't ride a two-wheel bicycle. I, 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 I practice what I preach, man. I don't ride two-wheel bicycles, and I don't really want to get up on a ladder anymore. Because, you know, I've seen what people do. They fall off, break their hip, have six, eight months of agony, got to have it sewed back together, this, that, and the other thing, and die anyway. Or they fall and they break their shoulder, they have shoulder surgery. Shoulder surgery is worse than regular surgery. The, you know, Psalm said it, you may live to 70. 70 years God gives you is a kind of a general promise, by the way. And don't you think you're going to live to 70 just because that's in the Bible. Half of the men I read one time died before they're 70. So I don't know if that's so or not, but it may be. I know a lot of them do. But if you go to 70 and you go past 70, he makes you promise. You're not going to get to 80 without some suffering. You're going to have suffering between 70 and 80. How many here would attest to that? There's some suffering between 70 and 80. Yeah. 
All of a sudden, my son had, don't even have a general practitioner. He don't even, go, he don't even have one. That's because he's 50. But all oh, these next 10 years are going to make a difference. But not too much. Not too much. I told my dentist the other day, well, Lolo, where's she at? So Lolo, I said, my son's got one cavity. I think you had one cavity your whole life, haven't you? You can thank me for that, and you do owe me for that. That's it. When he was young, I took him to the doctor, and I, and I said, I want you, to, want you to paint his teeth with fluoride. I made sure he had fluoride toothpaste. He may die of cancer, but his teeth are going to be good. <laughs> There's no fluoride. There's a no fluoride movement. Now, you can be stupid if you want, but fluoride saved people, people like me without fluoride. I was pre-fluoride. Spent tens of thousands of dollars on my teeth in agony of needles and drilling and root canals and all this other stuff. You get and, and the people with fluoride I gave Troy fluoride as a young man, and we co- coated his teeth every six months or eight months with fluoride. Got one cavity, fifty years old. He don't even know a dentist hardly. Well, yeah. Oh, but it causes cancer. But you've had a good life up to that point. I mean, you had a good life up to that point. Let me tell you, it ain't a good life if your teeth are bad. Right, Tom? Teeth are bad. Teeth are bad. You had teeth trouble, Tom? You ever had? That's that farm living. Farm living is the life for me. That's a Christian song. Land spreading out so far and wide. So, I'm telling you, folks, Jesus Christ, I'm glad, I'm glad I've made my peace with God through Jesus Christ. I hope you have. What's the best thing you can do for Christmas? What's the best present you can give to God? Yourself. Put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You say, I don't have much faith. Don't need it. Don't need but a little, little bitty faith, little bitty faith. Put your little bitty faith in Jesus, and he'll grow it. He'll grow your faith as time goes on. But in the meantime, he'll save you and sanctify you. Put your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when it comes time to that judgment, you'll not be at the great white throne judgment, by the way, as a born-again Christian. You're not going there. You'll be going at the judgment seat of Christ, which is a much friendlier place. Everybody at the judgment seat of Christ is born again. Ultimately going to go to heaven, but... Your works will be made manifest, for they should, they should declare them, should be revealed, but fire to fire should every man's work of what sort or kind or quality it is. And if your works remain, you'll receive a reward. If they're burned up, you're going to suffer loss. But the worst of them will still be saved as by fire. I mean, those will be some Christians with no reward except the skin on their teeth. Job, that comes from the book of Job. Saved by the skin of your teeth. That's a Job statement. I wonder where that came from. I wonder if they found it in Job. The skin of your, I didn't know the skin had any. Your teeth had skin. You say, I don't see anybody. Well, that means you're barely, barely, barely. But you're going to be saved. I've had people tell me with arrogance, well, that's all I care about. Oh, my, 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 my. You're lying to yourself. You care way more about it than that. And you will if you don't now. I hope you know Christ. I hope you realize he's inescapable. Then my last picture here, that was a motorcycle trip we took, Tom. You know where that was, what state that was in, what city, what state, what place? 
Well, I can't, I'm going to give you a hint. You see those dead trees behind us? That's the Blue Ridge. You remember that highest place in the Blue Ridge you took me? And those trees, everything was dead. Everything was dead. The bugs, Chinese beetles, they'd all, when I went there in the 70s, all them trees were alive. And when we went back with Brother Tom, they were all dead. Chinese beetles, look at them. They're all dead behind them. It, it, ate them all. And, they're gonna, and the, the, the biologist said, we can't save them. It's a plague, a pestilence. That's a pestilence is what happened. God's put a pestilence on America. Go out west. Look at all the dead trees. Same thing. It's a pestilence that's come across us. Not just COVID, which is a, which is a plague, but a pestilence also. And so uh, that's why when you have a forest fire that's so bad or so much dry wood, it overburns and overheats. So that's all I got for that. All right. This is my last Wednesday. This is my last Wednesday. 41 years at Gospel Baptist. My last Wednesday in my 60s. And when you hear me Sunday, I may be much more... Actually... Actually, if you come on Christmas Eve, I'm going to be preaching there too. So, If I can make it to the pulpit, I'll do it. Father, thank you for a few minutes. Uh, thank you for the Word of God. It's beautiful. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida, also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.